everybody. Welcome to another Flail Forward. I am your host this week, Rob, and we're going to be talking about first principles and game theory as they apply to game design. With me tonight is, uh, I'm just going to go down the line, Karis Nauer. Hello. I've also got Catrice here with me. I don't know why you have me here, but I'm totally here. She's totally here. Fred's here. Oh, God, I definitely am. Yeah, it's your bad luck. Jonathan's here. Hey, yeah. Hey. Cavoir is here. Yeah, if you believe in such a thing. Okay. And Mark is here. Hello. Hello. So, um, as previously stated, we're going to be talking about first principles and game theory and how these things can apply to your designs. Um, I'm going to start off just defining those things as I think they relate to game design. And you guys tell me what you think. Um, so first principles uh, as a founda- are, are the foundational concepts that we use to reason out to other things. Rather than reasoning by analogy, reasoning from first principles allows us to not rely on the assumptions of others. Um, as this rep- applies to game design, for me, this is about not assuming um, the solutions of others applying to your game and not relying on things people previously built just because they exist. Uh, one of the things I see a lot of times and probably a lot of people see are things like hit points and saving throws. Um, a lot of people just assume those have to be parts of all RPGs and they don't. And mm-hmm. if, if you have different first principles from a game like Dungeons and Dragons that has hit points and saving throws, you probably shouldn't include those things. Um, so what do you guys, you, obviously all of our games have different first principles Objection. that were coming out. What? Objection. <laughs> Why? Okay. Yes. What is your Go point? For it. All right. Sorry. It's just, I do agree that you should make your own game, but to say that you shouldn't use something like hit points just because D and D uses it is not really a really good argument because in a lot of cases... That's not what I was saying. That's not what he said. Oh, okay. Like, at all. In <laughs> which case, that, never mind. That's what it well, sounded that like. Can be, yeah, that can be read into what he said, and I was going to go with a similar objection. Okay. Like, as long as, as long as your reasoning for arriving at a first principle is your own, and you're not just blithely copy-pasta in concepts yeah. from other games just because just because the precedent is there like as long as your reasoning for having a thing in your game is your own reason that's that's that satisfies the concept of first principles yeah you you can think of them as sort of how you want your game to be experienced uh, i when i was trying to figure out my way around the these things for ashes i i came came up with this idea called axioms ex- of experience. And those are the things that I want the game to feel like. Um, I want the game to have a flowing narrative. I want, I want the players to not have to fiddle with a lot of minutia. Um, and I want the combat to be exciting and meaningful. So those are sort of like the, the axioms around which I design a lot of the game. And because I know those things, certain choices become obvious or not obvious at certain points during the design process um like because i don't want players messing with a lot of minutiae i don't 
have them track individual pieces of ammunition, for example. Yeah, and those are very good ones, too. I'm more concerned that there is a common trend among like a lot of designers that end up trying to be different for the sake of being different, not different because they're trying to match one of their initial core guiding principles here. Like they'll just be like, well, this other game does this. I, I have to do it differently. I don't want to be looked as being too similar to theirs. It's like, well, they did something that works for your your game, what you're trying to accomplish with it. Make use of something that has come before you and improve upon it. Make it so that it fits to your design, but don't blindly copy-paste it, but don't completely refuse to use it at all. Sure. Right. That's yeah. pretty much pretty much relevant to the you know weekly asking on the subreddit of are game rules copyrightable and are dice mechanics copyrightable? It's like no, they never have been. You can't copyright a dice mechanic. You can't copyright concepts. You can only copyright the text that describes them. Because that's the copy, and you're asserting a right to it. Well, that's a good thing too. If if that were possible to copyright, their entire genres would just disappear. You you couldn't have like a role playing game because anything that any way to describe something would be well, you're tracking how much life they have. I mean, sure, you're not calling it hit points, but life or a hit point track or something of that sort it's like well i mean there's there's no way that you could ever get through like the legal minutiae of it and you couldn't build like another rpg it'd be like first game to get it done there you go they have a monopoly on the entire genre that would be I insane think, yeah let's um back up and sort of go back to first principles because i think it sounds to me like we kind of gotten off track a bit. Um, and Robbie kind of asked about what are some of our first principles. Um, and do you think, I'll just ask this first, do you think that they're always game specific? Uh, no, I think you can have, I think you can, have, as long as you, you're focused on the foundational things about your game, um, before you start getting into the weeds on details, I think you're probably good. That's the main. A lot of, I see a lot of fiddling with details and endpoint balance, and um, a, a lot of um, focus on things that if you change any of the assumptions about the base mechanics, you have to completely redo. And I, I recognize this because I, I've done it in with my game, I was at one point just focusing on a lot of um, minutiae and uh, detail, and I didn't realize that the core mechanic was not good. It was very weak, hard to understand, and, and a, kind of a pain in the ass to use. And because I didn't have, I didn't set out with a set of core principles when I was first designing, it took me a long time, and there were a lot of dead ends. And when I, the game 
you know, was subjected to a lot of critique and I realized that it, it wasn't really that coherent. Um, I, and I started reading more about these kind of things that it, it was like, oh, okay, I have to develop a set of first principles first. And when, once I did, like a lot of the design became so much easier. And I, the, the last iteration has just um, been much easier to write because I know it's much more clear when I should include something or not include something. And yeah, so it's been really useful and having, having those things to return to um, helps focus the game on what I want the game to be focused about. Focused so, on. Sorry to, sorry to cut in. No, I'm done. I, I have, I guess a different definition of what I think um, the first principles are. And I, I think it's just conflicting with what, um, perhaps your your take on it is because i would see what you've just described as your design philosophy this is like what your intended outcome is for um the the concept of the game like not fiddling with pieces or not using like i don't know not needing to check a reference manual or something like that that seems like a, a philosophy but i would see first principles as being sort of the fundamental building blocks of this type of game so like the like hit points aren't a first principle, but the idea of having a sense of like consequence or uh, resource management, like the the fundamental like why is this a thing in the game? It doesn't need to be hit points, but it could just be the concept itself and employed in different ways. Yeah, um, I think I see the first principles as like discrete bits of the game philosophy. Okay. Like, you know, if, if I have a principle that's, I don't want players to have to manage a lot of inventory, you know, I wanted mm -hmm. to keep gear very discreet. Um, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like in the end. I, but I do know what it's not going to look like, you know, they're, they're in, in a sense, they're sort of, um, more widely encompassing negative design goals. Like I, I it, it, for me, well, they're not always yeah. negative. Some, some no. are positive. Okay, so just to just to throw some solid ones out there, um, I was just sort of solidifying these as we were talking. These are some that are more like principles or first principles for me as a designer as opposed to for a specific game right now anyway. Um, as a designer, if you want a player to do a thing, tell them to do a thing. Um, and that kind of ties in with if you say your game is about something, the rules should be about that thing. Yeah. And then I threw one in that I don't know if it's quite a first principle for me, but it's I, I think it's close. Um, balance is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> and uh, I just think that um, it balance doesn't have to be a thing if it fits the game. So you don't have to make a balanced game. No. Uh, think, yeah, with regards to mecha mechanics or whatever, it just has to fit the intended play of the game. At yeah. least, yeah, to to a certain extent, yeah. There's so for for example, in Cut to the Chase, the moves aren't created equal, but the overall gameplay is much more equal than each individual move or action. I guess that's what I call them. <laughs> right, balance. Ba 
balance has to it has to be achieved on various levels and it doesn't have to be achieved on paper but it has to be but it should be achieved during play mm, like, yeah i guess what i mean is that um if two people are swinging an axe it, the outcome doesn't have to be the same um but yeah yeah it just i don't know maybe that's less a less solid one but it's one that i i sort of think is okay in, in a yeah i i i like it anyway hmm. if it fits balance doesn't have to be there if it fits for it to not be there it cannot be there i wonder if i can be any more convoluted <laughs> I am a little confused on whether you mean like balance in general in that character say two characters are of equal value overall though not necessarily at the same thing or if you mean balance like like balances in all things have to be the same and that's okay that it's different because there is such a thing as asymmetric balance like yes balance there is, is balance Balance is an ambiguous term, and it could mean like seven different things, and that's not—that's yeah. beyond our topic right now. Yeah, discussing it further is beyond our topic. But as a first principle, um, for me, I think it it can hold. Make sure it's on the list for later. <laughs> <clears throat> um, to get back well, to our previous topic, though. Um, sorry. Actually, I'll let you go first. Okay, if we're, if we're just listing off our own first principles, then for a long time, the main first principle of my game was to envelop the widest possible space of character concept. Mm-hmm. So like to be to come as close as possible to allowing players to make whatever character they wanted within the limits of the genre or the setting or whatever the whatever the you know existential boundaries were Mm -hmm. but after a while i realized that that principle didn't accomplish much on its own like it it needed a it needed a complement which is actually telling players how to portray characters in a story and that's that's what i'm working on now in a lot of ways so would you say one of your first principles is getting players to portray a character yes getting in a more literary sense more than just a cardboard game piece on a board game sense okay yeah that's 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 a good i mean that's a good one to have i mean it's um i would say there there's a number of rpgs that probably don't have that as a first principle i mean they they, they, they they and it's not something that's even within their rationales like is is getting players to portray the character is almost secondary um and i think that's fine just to be clear sometimes you just want to play an action movie version of of a game that's fun and digestible and you're not too concerned about 
accurate portrayal. I mean, for me, I think it makes it more fun, but I, I can totally see the enjoyment to be had in, uh, in, in a game that's shallow, you know, in that way. Yeah, well, I, I think it's more okay when the players know what kind of depth they're, they're walking into. Mm. Like if a game claims to be like the Marianas Trench of depth when it's really just a kiddie pool, <laughs> that's that's going to lead to some disappointment somewhere, mm-hmm. some oh. dissatisfaction along down the line. Yeah, here's one. I think that dovetails with uh, encompasses some of the things Jonathan was saying. Uh, be honest with your players as a designer. It's, uh, I think, I think you, because you were saying, you know, if you want players to do a thing, tell them to do a thing. And that's part of that communication is, is something we're trying to achieve in, uh, I hope in our designs. Um, uh, you're going to hate me for this, but, go ahead. but I am going to point out that it, it's not always necessary. Like we want to say that you should be honest with your players but to a degree implying things that aren't necessarily true does unfortunately work like let's face it we look at the stereotypical one the world's greatest rpg D. it's literally what they say is it's the world's greatest rpg and yet it holds role-playing at arm's length. It's barely even able to be classified as an RPG, which is kind of strange that they would say that it's the greatest one when it doesn't even really fit the definition, strangely enough. Well, but it okay. works. That one, that, that one set the definition as the lowest common denominator, and it has not moved upward from there since. And that statement is a marketing drivel and b subjective because it relies on the word best. Yeah, it, it's written outside of the context of the game design, so I think it applies less. Yeah. But I, I understand the point that you're making. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, I, to be clear, I was I was making saying that in the context of the of creating rules, right? Um, that you do want to be as honest as you can with the players about your intent as a designer and what you expect of them as players. I think that's a generally good principle to maintain. Absolutely. To, to the point of the game we're not naming, but talking about <laughs> there, <clears throat> there is a difference between lying to the players, like actually making a false statement to them and withholding truth from them. Yeah, I, I I see what you mean. Which cause... which the which the game we're talking about is very full of withheld truths. Yes. Are you talking about withheld truths within the setting or within like the generic world, or are you talking about withheld truths about how the game works? I think about how the game works. I could be wrong. How the game works. The promise of it's... everything it can be. Yes, it yeah, it claims to be much more than it actually is, but yet it lets players think that it is what it claims to be. Mhm. Yeah. 
I think that was much more pronounced in um, an earlier edition. I think let now that's way less the case, but yes. No, it's. I think it's more the case now. Mm. Well, either way, this isn't entirely relevant. Yeah, this is not relevant. As, yeah, Cavor's right. Let's get back on it. Um, <laughs> and it's not just because I don't like talking about the game that must not be named. <laughs> but you don't. <laughs> that is true. The Voldemort of games. The noseless Ralph finds of games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm not... I think part of the reason why my game <laughs> isn't the term... Is in the state it's in is my design goals are uh, I put them uh, never mind my design goals are a bit fluffier <laughs> than they should be but do you want to say what those are okay so the design goals as I see them are the game should the game should be fast flowing the game should be conversational the game is about creating conspiracy the game is about a powerful alien intelligence that is corrupting the world in some manner <laughs> so they're they're setting goals and then there's like fr- loose go- loosey principles and none of them i don't know what i mean no well, i think since, you can okay since kevor kind of shifted terms on us yeah sorry slightly, <laughs> let's let's discuss the relationship between first principles and design goals yes because design goals is the term more people are aware of yeah, mm-hmm. that would be probably be a very helpful discussion to have because I think I know, but I want to be. I'd like to hear people who someone else talk about it. Yeah, I think you, uh, that they're not necessarily the same thing. Um, I would use my first principles when making my design goals. Um, if my design. I wouldn't want my design goal to um, uh, undercut my design, my first principles. So, so I, what I would, I would say that first principles are what you have going into a design, and goals are what you hope to have when you come out of it. So principles are, how do I phrase this? Things you're going to do. And goals are things you want this thing you are creating to do. Yes. Is that about right? Okay. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's that's pretty close. I, I mean, the principles for me are more, are more about um, generating focus for the design rather than outlining specifics. Um, for, for me, it helped by, by just allowing me to identify what was extraneous and outside of the purview I had set down for myself at that point. And that's, it made it easier to come up with goals once I had the principles. Um, right. And a lot of times principles and goals are going to overlap. Yeah. Or one beget the other, or something like that. They're not mm-hmm. entirely distinct as, as no as concepts. No, they're not. 
They're not. I mean, like I was saying, I, I used I used some of my design principles, you know, negatively. So, you know, so because I wanted to make sure players didn't do X um, or didn't have to do X, um, and that influenced some of the what I I you know the inventory system. So my design goal was then like, okay, have something that can account for things carried without relying on a really chunky encumbrance system. Um, right. The principles know. are going to be more abstract, whereas goals tend to be more specific. Yes, that too. Yeah. And I think I, that makes sense to me in the like your game specific design. I think where I got hung up was because I think there's also a set of first principles from like a generic RPG standpoint, like yes, concepts that apply to every game that you would want to have. So, because the way I had worded it in the document that I have was that I just wrote design principles. Um, so, yeah, just as long as we're clear that like what we're addressing are the design principles that we lay out for ourselves mm-hmm. and not sort of the fundamental, what I would have called first principles that... Uh, define what an define, RPG is. Exactly. Mm. That's sort of what I had thought we were talking about at the beginning, but I think this makes sense more as a... Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are, there are those things too. You do want, there, there are certain really fundamental things that, that you can, that are still possible to ignore. I mean, right, right, clarity. Right, right. Uh, it's certainly possible to, to, you know, uh, probably a good first principle is you, you shouldn't rip off anybody. Like, really a lot like you know there's there's inspiration <laughs> and there's like just wholesale theft and the yeah. latter you know is is good and the former is not good it it, it it's what did i say the Wait, latter the, yeah you know, the other one other way around uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, don't but, don't steal but wait but don't good artists copy and great artists great steal? steal yeah that's what that's what i said um but they steal in a way that's not obvious. Yeah. They well they or they steal in a way that isn't wholesale. Uh, I think is the term that Rod yeah. used that was probably yeah. important. Yeah. Um there's there's a difference between going, you know, taking like the system of Shadowrun and going this is mine but then mm-hmm. reskinning it to be something else which is a terrible idea. Terrible. Um, shouldn't even use Shadowrun to play Shadowrun. You but, really should. Yeah, but and and then there's like, oh yeah, I like the dice mechanic. Chatter, which why but you could take that out and use that mm-hmm. um, i think mark um, taking one game and re- like renaming a bunch of stuff and calling it your own like that's that's not game design that's just labels yeah i think something mark about you had mentioned before about sort of fundamental first principles of ro- role-playing games it's yeah. so subjective anyway um even within our own group, we would contradict each other. But in the wide world of RPGs, you can have hold something fundamental um, in your heart and some other designer would just throw it in the garbage and you guys could both make, you know, great role-playing games. So it, mm-hmm. it's so hard to it's, which yeah. you talk about that in, in, like, as a broad idea. Which only proves how diverse role-playing games can be and how yeah. 
nailing him down to a specific definition is very difficult. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I would almost look at it as uh, from the generic RPG standpoint, the first principles are materials. And then from your individual game, your first principles are the um, like tools that you're using. Like you build a toolbox of things that you know you're going to want to use. So if your guiding principle is, I want a focus on uh, discovery in my game, then that is like one um, instrument that you're going to be using throughout all the mechanics and concepts that you have throughout your game. But the texture that it has is based in these more, I guess, fundamental principles that not everyone needs to use. You don't need to say that every game needs, uh, I don't know, risk versus reward, but it's a fundamental enough concept that I think applies to RPGs as, um, I don't know, they're, they're, it exists in enough RPGs in different ways that it, it is a first principle of how you can create a role play experience. Yeah. Or at least create tension. Yeah. Right. I, th I think one of the only like foundational first principles of RPGs that cannot be discarded is that there are fictional entities doing fictional things. Unless you're LARPing. They're still fictional entities. I <laughs> guess. But... <laughs> I, hope. Yeah. I hope. Unless you're playing, what's that? There's that one game called um, uh, Freebase where you're LARPing, but you're really not LARPing. <laughs> um, it's just doing drugs. <laughs> oh, well, I play that game regularly. Oh, good times. <laughs> <laughs> But like it's right there in the name of the medium, role playing. So you have to, right. There has to be roles, and there mm -hmm. has to be playing. Makes sense. I guess um, I just however wanted to that, get us. However, those are however those are achieved is all the design. What I was hoping to get from like I guess bringing it up is just to say that this focus that we should have for our conversation today is on what are the guiding principles that we have in our design objectives. Um, because I think that's very different from, I guess, what I see as first principles, which are like infallible truths, I guess, about how things uh, work. Um, yeah. I mean, they are that, well, but you, you need yeah. those. I think it's because there's there's like the philosophical first principle, which is basically like the the things you cannot unassume. Like right. you have to make certain assumptions to do anything. Yeah, um, and those are those are the real foundational first principles of basically everything. Right, and and then there's there's ones for game design that I think are very broad and. Um, useful to talk about. Uh, but yeah, when I was putting together the idea, it was like, what, how, how do, how do, what is a good way of coming up with these 
to help your design. Right. Um, because I think, I mean, if I were listening to this podcast, I, that's what I would, the kind of thing I would want um, is where's, where's, where's the design advice in this, or where's the, where's the discussion about right, what you right. can do with your first principles and how, you know, because just knowing the first principles of RPGs doesn't necessarily help you with your game. It's, it's the kind of thing that's really good to know, but sometimes it's just not enough to know yeah. the super fundamentals. You need to know, you know how you need to come up with a way to develop like your own. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I think it's just that the, uh, the, the grad student in me sometimes seeps <laughs> out and I'm like, Oh, give me, give me academia. But yeah, <laughs> uh, no, I well, think it makes fine. sense. We'll cover that next episode. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think having these concrete, uh, I guess, principles, truths about your concept is such a key step. Like yeah. I was floundering without it. Um, the shift that my game took once I sat down and was like, what am I actually designing was so huge after I had sat down and made the design objective for myself. Like the, what is not going to change or what is going to be the guiding rail that I'm going to follow to get right. to the end goal. Yeah. Right. And I think you both, you and I have, I think most pronouncedly changed our games from their, from the initial inception mm -hmm. based on discover, like making that discovery, like how, like, you know, somewhere deep in our process already. Cause you had mm -hmm. a completed document and so did I, mm -hmm. and then we were both like, Oh yeah. Design principles. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And we were like, Oh man, that changes everything. I got to go back. Yeah. Okay. Now I get it. And it's like, yeah. You know, because I, having that experience was like, oh man, I wish I could have had that experience like two years earlier. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Uh, like going like, oh, I don't know what I'm designing here. I don't know what I'm designing yeah. towards. I don't know what I want the players to have in their hand as they're mm -hmm. doing this. Like, what, mm -hmm. what, what am I trying to get people to feel? And I'm like, oh, I, I'm the not scary even. Part is though it. that yeah. even though you've actually realized that very late in the design process you still were able to actually use that to go back and start pretty much almost over from scratch and it made everything better. Like this is the number one reason why anytime on subreddit or any question that anybody asks, whether it's Quora or uh, Discord or whatever, it's like, what's the most important thing that you can tell a new designer? And it's like, figure out what you're trying to do before you try to do it. <laughs> yeah. it, it sounds really simple, but very few people actually think to do it until they're halfway through. And it's like, Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. And back, back to something within what Rob just said about knowing what you're designing toward that has infinitely more value than trying to design from something. Yes. Like mm -hmm. if you're, if your intent is to fix another game by making another one, that's just like it. Don't. Yeah, or or with you um, know unless, uh, to the magic unless system. that's mm, well, <laughs> there depending on what game you're trying to fix, the scope of what's possible to fix is different. But you know, trying like taking one game and trying to design your dissatisfaction with it out, right, is. Not a good first principle. 
Totally agree. That my first, yeah, my first attempt was I know. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Only people in the chat know why I feel called out by that, but yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> oh, dude, it's totally real for me. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, my, my my first real attempt at putting a document together was a 3.5 D&D redesign because it was just so, there were so many problems with it that I thought were had obvious fixes. And I was like, well, I made my it. Game- my game didn't really start out as an attempt to fix. It was more of an experiment of what if I swapped out the dice mechanic? What can I gain? Right. (laughs) And then it grew into its own thing, Mm -hmm. which looks nothing like the original. It, it, yeah, that's subject. Yeah. But but anyway, the, yeah, the whole point of having this discussion was just just I, because I wanted to impress upon our three listeners. Uh, I think <laughs> hey, we're up one from one. Uh, no, we still have one. Oh, we still have one. Okay. Um, our, uh, impress upon our listener that um, uh, it's really important to figure out what you want your game to do, and and really concretely know that like it's not enough just to have it in your head you really need to write it down um and once you do like so it it becomes so much easier to do every other step like if you don't if if you start by designing the leaves on the tree before you know what the trunk looks like and you have to design the trunk backwards from the leaves it's just going to be it's going to be really hard to do it and you're going to be making all these tweaks and changes along the way as your trunk changes. And then you have to go through, Oh, I'm going to change all these leaves. And then you make another tweak to the trunk and then you change all the leaves again. And you're just wasting time while you're refining the thing you should have come up with in the or, beginning. Worse, yeah, and using to, that to, metaphor, if the bottom of the page cuts off before you even get to the trunk of the tree and it's like, Oh crap. Now I have to start all over again. Right. Yeah. If or, you're drawing, or yeah. to, or to further use the metaphor in a literal sense, the core dice mechanic is not the leaf you start with. It's nowhere near what you start with. Yeah. Like, I think that just blatant flat out statement needs to be said because so many people start there and it's the Mm -hmm. wrong place to start. Yeah. It's the most accessible place to start in some ways because it's often the, the, place where you feel the dissatisfaction first which is very rarely where it actually is yeah but it's I mean, all i'm saying is it's a, it's a justifiable error to make because you, when you when or when you when i started out you know it was sort of like that was something that was like oh you know this is something i can tweak easily and it has large rippling effects and um so it looks like the most crunchy part of the game. And so it feels like this is the thing that was designed the most. Um, but yeah, that's almost never true. Like the, the dice mechanic, if you even have one, because you don't necessarily even need to have one, the dice mechanic is something that serves one of those principles of your game, not the other way around. Um, and so if you have a, di- uh, if you are designing a dice mechanic without having a principle, then you don't know if the dice mechanic is actually going to be a fit or not. Absolutely. I'm going to jump in and just really disagree about 
where you decide to start your your designing because sometimes just to, just to trash this leaf metaphor you just design the most beautiful leaf <laughs> and that has to become a game <laughs> and okay. I, and i want to say that design goals aren't about a starting point they're about creating a focus for your end and if you design a beautiful leaf you can still write design goals after that to figure out how to make that a beautiful tree um and for example uh, i know this to be true that uh, vincent baker the first thing he designed in apocalypse world was the well angel uh play sheet and the rest went from there um i'm sure he had ideas about apocalypse and all this stuff but where we start in design um or if is is less important i think it's important to have these really malleable moldable thoughts and ideas and and even parts of design before we throw in the the design goals for it mm, i um, think you i i i can agree with you because i have an example uh and that's like the squad based play of ashes was definitely something that was a leaf on the very earliest versions but it it became something that it almost became a pillar of of the game because it's something i wanted the rules to support so badly that i had to but you're but you're right in 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 that instance like i i definitely wanted to make the beautiful leaf work and so yeah, yeah. that's interesting yeah and and i think design girls are extremely important um at a certain point and and they create focus and they allow us to work in a meaningful way but i think especially when it comes to the the artist side of what we do thinking outside of our design goals um or thinking before we create design goals is is really where the magic happens i i personally believe that like the the work of a game might be like pinning together mechanics and and writing paragraphs that focus the the, the specifics but that's yeah. true i think that's a good point and i think i think it's borne out by by my experience in in doing and also mark's experience because mark's initial thing was you know have be able to play a game without having a character to begin with um and that still sort of exists in his thing even though the game has radically shifted um and so no i think that's 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 true that's true i, I hadn't really thought about it like that but yeah you can want or have an idea of what that last piece is going to look like and then and then huh so where in so where in the process do these principles actually really matter the most then so you throughout. you can have yeah throughout but like you can, well, you can start without them and still and still discover them during the design process well you can start without them and move forward but until you have them any progress you make is kind of is going to be meandering and unfocused. Hmm. Well, yeah, well I think that, that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can have game ideas and in my head the the principles are already implied. Like um if I'm talking about the gladiator game that I'm doing I I um 
I don't, I know what I want from that game, but I haven't written much of it down, but I know when I do write it down, I'm going to use the principles. If I want the players to do a thing, tell them to do a thing. You know what I mean? But, but having that idea and thought about it, um, I don't need to think about the principle because that's already something that's sort of ingrained in, in how I think as a designer. Um, yeah, I think um at least the way I think about my principles they're just they're just always there regard almost mm. regardless of what I'm designing. Um and, and oh go ahead. No, that's it. I was just okay. filling space. And none of this is to say that your goals or principles have to remain static from beginning to end. I mean, yeah. No. Discovering that principles as a concept exist is a change in your principles yeah so <laughs> yeah, then, yeah. You're, then you're prompted to go back and make some yeah and then you know whatever progress you've made you have to assess against the the principles you now have to see what what mm-hmm. what fits and what doesn't and then with the new like focused trajectory you have everything you do from that point on from having principles lets you theoretically work faster and more efficiently because you you you've now given yourself guidance right yeah but i think jonathan's right in that you maybe maybe you don't you don't you, you don't have you certainly don't have to start there and I think what was revealed in that conversation just now is that like say, the principles may be something that you don't even need until a little ways into the process. Once you've done your like sort of meandering and you're sort of like, okay, I kind of like this and I kind of like this. And then you go like, okay, I think I have an idea of what I want this to do. Um, so huh? maybe first principles aren't really first principles. Maybe they're 70 to 25% of the way through principles. I don't know. <laughs> no, they, I think they are first principles and we just have to make, make the decree that not having them at the beginning hamstrings you. No, I am not going to necessarily agree with that. Like um, you can have ideas and work towards implementing them. But until there are first principles, those ideas don't really have a track to to write up to write on. Hmm. I <clears throat> I would I would say, and I I think this might be what um, Rob and others were getting at, and maybe I'm totally off. Is that there's when you don't have first principles, when you're like, oh, I have this vague game idea. There's something about getting words on paper and having something there to go okay, this is kind of what I'm thinking about. And then going back and saying, okay, what should my principles be? Which is both informed by what you want the game to be um, and this, I, you, you use the track um, analogy. So this would be like, you know, going off the tracks for a little bit to kind of figure out what, what you should do when you're on the tracks, I suppose. Yeah, or but, even what set uh, of tracks to be on. Yeah. But, okay, but, you know, the the workflow status that you guys are are pondering is not being on the tracks or even knowing that the tracks exist and then at That's... some point you find them 
Well, no, it's more like willfully ignoring the tracks until you realize that you need to get on them. I well, would actually... Okay, our, audience is that... not, our audience is not the people who are in a position to willfully ignore the tracks. We're How do you know that? Point, how, the purpose of this conversation is... It's a very sp- simple spell, yet quite unbreakable. Um, the purpose of this conversation is to tell the audience that th- this track exists and they should get on it as soon as possible. Um, I, I, yeah, I think, okay. And for me and how I feel like first principles apply, like I say, there's just sort of, they don't not exist at any point. Um, but if I'm just thinking about something or, or talking to someone or, or doing some brainstorming, they're not in play, I guess, is, is the best way to use it. it it's not that I'm, I don't know them or I'm not thinking about them, but they're, but they're not in play. Kat, um, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that if you're going to use the metaphor of like railroad tracks, then it's almost like you don't even know which direction you're going on them. You just start heading down them and it's like, oh shit, there's a train coming the other way because (laughs) you didn't know which direction you were supposed to be going on them. Like that's the main reason why you have these principles and goals later on set up in the first place is you need to know which direction to go when you come to a fork in the road. And it's like, okay, I have to make a decision. I don't, know which direction I even want to go. It's like go left goes to this town, goes right, goes to a a different town. It's like I don't know which town I actually want to go to. I don't know what I need from either of them. It's like if you're just kind of exploring and doing whatever, it's not really that important. Like if you're just testing stuff out for the sake of testing it out, it's fine. But if you're actually trying to... If you're trying to make something that you intend to play with at some point, if you want to market it, if you want to turn it into like an actual business, like a lot of people try to do, you can't just fumble about in the dark aimlessly like that for any length of time. Like you kind of have to know from the start which direction you want to head in. Because every decision you make that you don't know what you're trying to accomplish out of that decision is making it that much harder to to fix everything once you do know because you'll get yourself locked into something that it's like the only way I can fix this at this point is to basically throw out like two three years of work and that's just I don't think anybody can really justify doing that at that point it's like i have just thrown out like years of my life and development that i could have been doing better at the start but that's exactly what rob and mark did and to their credit they went back and now armed with first principles were able to reassess everything that they had done and selectively toss out the bits that didn't fit yeah, you, you can do that, but it's like, it's such a mess to do that. And a lot of people, it's like, they're just going to stop entirely. Be like, this is too much. I can't do this. I have to throw out like three quarters of what I just did. 
and it's like that's too much or they'll just be like i have to throw three quarters of what i did i can do it but it's like i shouldn't have gotten to this position in the first place it's like you can do this but i highly advise against it at that point it becomes a matter of resolve i i also think that there's also an issue of scale because i think that as my game grew i needed these principles more and more like once it when it was i guess just a few mechanics they worked and gelled together and i didn't necessarily need a guiding principle but at a certain point i had enough uh different things going on in the game that i needed to sit down and say what am i designing towards because i had tried for minimalism but i still had things that didn't quite feel minimalistic and i didn't know whether or not i needed them in the game to give a sense of um i don't know advancement progress uh uh, constraints in certain ways but i was all over the place um so I, I don't disagree that I think you can have a perfectly fine game from uh, without like some kind of design principle. But I think that once you have enough moving pieces, it becomes difficult to say how much of a certain thing is too much, like how, how, how you want to address a problem in your game um, needs a direction. Um, and when it got big enough, I, I needed to rely on that structure. Mm. So, yeah, yeah so that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. um, if if you start out without first principles and you end up with this <clears throat> collection of mechanics that may or may not be cohesive, you know, once once that collection gets big enough, you reach a point that you have to decide what the common cohesion factor is among right. everything in order exactly. to in order to expand it. Yep. One thing I would point out is that pretty much any project regardless of what it is will always increase beyond the initial specifications. You probably like it might be too late to do this for a lot of people that are listening to this. But the thing or the one guy who's listening to it, whatever. Anyway, point <laughs> is <laughs> that you generally want to plan things out in advance with room to expand. And even if you think, I'm not going to ever need this, you should still probably make sure that there's room for it. And I mean, yeah, it's a hindsight sort of thing, but after you've done it a couple of times and it's like, this is a consistent problem that shows up every single time I make anything. Yeah, you kind of have to actually admit to yourself that, yes, you should actually be planning out in advance that there's going to be growth beyond what you expect. Right. And having the principles helps guide that growth. Once you've got, once you have those in place, the the growth feels much more organic rather than kludgy and um you know when you're trying to develop a system and you you, oftentimes you'll have a placeholder system in in place just just so you can kind of have an idea of what you need there like for a while i had 
stuff that was very similar to skills, you know, and it was just, uh, you know, very standard list of, of RPG skills, you know, uh, perception, stealth, all that kind of stuff. And um, at some point, I realized that those things didn't serve my game the way they I thought they did. I mean, I was never really comfortable with them because they 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 felt very um, derivative, and they felt like I was just doing them because I thought games had to have them because players oh they're going to need to sneak need to sneak in. I should need to have a stealth skill, but there's but they, but they ended up being and then being kind of anachronistic. Yeah, they, they're they're anachronistic because it's it, it's it didn't they weren't serving any of the principles that I had set out for myself, and so I I they were one of the first things I was really trying to to excise from the game where where skill I mean and and now they're not there anymore and what what is in place fits the game much better, um, but it wasn't until like I actually had the principles, you know, buttressing the other aspects of the game that I was able to figure out like what, what my skill system needed to look like. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And going back to what Kat just said about every time you do something, a problem arises. Those problems are not necessarily bad. Like Uh every problem is not necessarily a broken thing. That problem could be every time you do something, a huge door opens. Mm-hmm. But the you still have to you still need the principles to know whether or not to fix the problem and how or like do you walk through that door and what do you do on the other side? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um one thing I would want to point out as well is that these kind of principles and goals they basically act as a trellis, as it were, so that as your thing grows, you have a directed growth instead of just wandering off in any direction. Because there's a lot of games that have been killed outright due to uh, feature creep. That alone will yeah. overwhelm a game, and it'll just wind up trying to do so much stuff that, in a lot of cases budget or the capacity to cope with it or just the time frame runs out and you lose a perfectly good game that would have been amazing because you didn't have any control on it if you have these things in place you can generally ensure that you at least get to the end and you will finish the project it may not be as nice of a project as you had really hoped but you'll finish in almost all cases. But keep in mind, about 95% of games that are started are not finished. And virtually all of the games that are not finished are because they didn't have like these principles or goals in mind. Okay, I'm going to throw a couple of mm, axioms here. Um, a, the perfect is the enemy of the good that fits into the whole feature creep thing. Mm-hmm, okay. And if you don't know where you're going, how will you know if you get there? Yeah, at some point you have to figure it out. 
I think I think Jonathan's point earlier about being, you know, having that freedom to wander and discover something really good that is then worth building something up towards. I think that's a totally viable way of doing it. I think that's probably how a lot of people, um, you know, try and figure out their first real design is they want to have, they, they like some, they like an aspect so much that they feel it's worth it to buttress, buttress that aspect with, you know, an entire playable game. Um, and, but at some point, at some point along that journey, when you figure out that thing, and then you need to buttress it, at that point, you need those design goals. Otherwise, you could be, as Kat said, growing the game in a totally, um, the totally wrong direction. Um, if, if, if you're trying to, you know, you have this idea of your leaf, and then you're trying to grow your trunk, and then you're growing the trunk in the wrong direction. Um, and I think it's really useful once you know something about where you're headed to start and focus to, to sit down and focus on the principles to get you there. Right. Because there, there, there's, there's three, I guess, specific modes of design here, which is stumbling blindly, wandering and having a destination. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sure. Yeah, you don't want to be you don't want to be stumbling blindly. I mean, you wandering, purposeful wandering is good. Having the destination is good. Yeah. Okay, I think that about covers what we wanted to get to. Um, uh, oh, go ahead, Kevoir. <laughs> Say something, please. Yeah. Uh, never mind. No, right. I should probably say <laughs> we didn't actually talk about how this ties into game theory directly at all. But, but well, we can. Um, do we want to take a break and then? Because uh, yeah, that was like on the agenda. Yeah. Sorry. Or, or yeah, we, we could just part two. Part two. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so we're taking a break. Right. Yeah, so we're going to take a break. Thank you, Flail Forward listener. Uh, again, I'm uh, Rob, and for everybody at Flail Forward, uh, good night where you are night where you are good yes. night this podcast <laughs> always takes place at night <laughs>